Well, uh, once again, it is good to, uh, to see you all here tonight. And uh, it's uh, my prayer that um, your hearts will truly be stirred and that you will leave this place uh, different than when you came in. Um, my task tonight is to prepare you for the other speakers, what they will be sharing throughout this, this weekend. And um, I will let you know that as I tell you what I'm going to talk about, you, you may initially ask yourself, well, what does this have to do with Army Bible Camp? Um, I want to talk to you tonight about the cause of heartburn. The cause of heartburn. And I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. I just ask you to hold your thoughts, okay? I want to ask you to pray with me as we open God's word tonight. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, that you would take this message and breathe upon it. Make it live, Lord. Father, please hide me and put your words in my mouth. And Lord, touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter three, beginning with verse eleven. The Bible says here, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. The verse tells us that God is looking for a people, a certain kind of people when he returns. He is looking for a purified people. Amen? Amen? We see from this verse that God not only plans to have a purified people, but he also plans to have a purified earth. Are you with me? God is going to purify his people. He is also going to purify the earth. The verse tells us that we should be looking for and hasting unto that great day. How many of you would like to hasten that great day? The question is, how do we hasten that great day? And I want you to notice with me, if you would go back with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24... Matthew chapter 24, and notice with me verse 14. Matthew 24, verse 14, the Bible tells us there, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then what? How many of you would like for the end to come? What do we need to be doing to hasten that day? We need to be preaching and teaching the gospel. Now, there's a problem. Because in order for this to be accomplished, all of us need to be involved in this work. But do you remember the question I asked you earlier? 
How many of you have ever been terrified to give a Bible study? <laughs> How many of you have thought about the worst possible scenario and said, ah, we better leave this to somebody else who knows what they're doing? Beloved, the purpose of army is to equip you to hasten the day of God. It is to equip you with the tools you need to go out and to preach this gospel in all the world. God is looking for a people who have the desire in their hearts to win souls. I call that desire a, um, a burning desire. Anybody ever have a burning desire? <laughs> you know what it's like when, you're, when your heart is on fire? Heartburn somebody? God is looking for people whose hearts are so filled with his love, with his passion, that they will, no matter what, no matter what the obstacles, no matter what the challenges, they will say, Lord, here I am, send me. I'd like to suggest to you tonight that God's people need some heartburn. <laughs> God's people need a heart burning with his love and his passion for the saving of souls. There's a powerful lesson to learn from 2 Peter. I want you to turn back there with me. 2 Peter chapter 3. You're going to find something absolutely amazing here. 2 Peter... Chapter 3. You see, you may not have realized this, and maybe some of you have seen this, but do you know that God has a method for cleansing the world? God has a plan. You read it right there in 2 Peter. God's plan for cleansing the world is through baptism. What did I say, everyone? Through what? Baptism. Baptism. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I want you to notice with me 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the waters and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with what? Water. What happened to it? It perished. What are we talking about here? The flood. Do you realize that 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 tells us that that flood was a symbol or a type of, who can tell me? Baptism? Eight people survived the baptism of Noah's day. The world was totally cleansed through that flood that covered the earth. And by the way, you know, I think Noah had heartburn. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> I think Noah was the kind of man that had the fire of God so heavy in his heart. I think Noah had heartburn. Noah understood the burden that was upon him. He knew that he, he wasn't just preaching a message like, you know, hey, if you want to. He knew something was coming and he was trying to prepare the world for that event. Amen. 
Ellen White tells us, God had concealed in the earth his weapons, whereby he would purify the earth at that time. The jets of water began to come up from the depths of the earth, and as this water increased in force, it would throw stones, it would uproot trees. Did you hear what she said? She said God had hidden under the earth the weapons he would use to cleanse. What is baptism a symbol of? Cleansing. He cleansed the earth through baptism, and what we find here is that God has a method, a plan for cleansing the earth. Because not only does the Bible say that he would cleanse it by water, but beloved, I want to share something with you, that there is another baptism coming. Are you with me? Please notice what it goes on to say in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Continuing on, it says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, kept in store, reserved unto what? Fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Did you catch that? A baptism by water followed by a baptism of fire. Man, I hope somebody's thinking. <laughs> Christian Experiences and, te and Teachings, page 108. Ellen White says this, The rest of the earth will not be cleansed, will not be what, everyone? Cleansed until the end of the 1,000 years when the wicked dead are raised and gather up around the city. The same fire that will devour the wicked will purify the earth. So think about this now. God, when he designed to purify the earth, he, was, he would purify it once by water. He would, he would baptize it, if you would, once by water and the last time by Fire, two baptisms in order for a totally new earth without sin. I think somebody's beginning to get this. <laughs> the water baptism was temporary. You understand, I mean, sinners came back after that water baptism. But the baptism by fire is what? Permanent. Sin will not rise again after that fire baptism. Signs of the Times, February 16th, 1882. Ellen White says this, The history of their sins with the sure destruction that followed would be a warning to us. She's talking about in the days of Noah. And then she says this sentence, There is to be a baptism of fire as there was of water. And all the unbelief and scoffing of the ungodly will not hinder this event. Do you see? So what I'm suggesting, beloved, is just as God had Noah in the time before the flood preaching a baptism is coming, be ready. Noah had heartburn. So in these last days, God is trying to raise a people up with heartburn. <laughs> A burning desire in their hearts to preach, to prepare people. Why? Because another baptism is coming. And beloved, if we are fearful to give the message, because we're wondering, can we really do that? Do I really know my Bible that well? What if they ask me this question right in the middle of the Bible study? <laughs> Do you see what the devil is trying to hinder? God's people need 
heart of fire. There is something interesting which some of you may have thought about as I was sharing this picture of a water baptism followed by a fire baptism because as you look at that process, you begin to understand, hey, wait a minute, that's the same way that God cleanses us. A water baptism and then a fire baptism. In other words, beloved, God is trying to set his people on fire. <laughs> He's trying to give them a heart of fire. And, and, and what, what he ultimately wants to do is that as he sets you on fire, he wants you to go set somebody else on fire. <laughs> he wants you to go give somebody else heartburn. <laughs> If we could sum this up, we might say that the role of God's warriors in the last days, if we were to call them something, we might call them fire starters. <laughs> I want you to notice with me Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Listen to what the, John the Baptist says as he is baptizing. Verse 11, are you with me? Matthew 3, 3 verse 11. I indeed baptize you with what? Water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. John said, I'm coming first. I'll baptize you with water. But the one who's coming after me, he wants to baptize you with fire. That fire baptism, beloved, is to prepare us for eternity with Jesus Christ. You must have that fire baptism if you are wanting to enter into eternity with Jesus Christ. You must. Just as Noah's water baptism saved him from being destroyed by the water, so our fire baptism is what saves us from being destroyed by the fire. Testimonies, volume 7, page 26 and 27. Here's what she says. God will move upon, upon men in humble positions to declare the message of present truth. Many such will be seen hastening hither and thither, constrained by the Spirit of God to give the light to those in darkness. The truth is as a fire in their bones. They have been baptized by what? Fire. The truth is as a fire in their bones, filling them with a burning desire. Or what, everyone? Burning. You know, when you have a burning desire, there's nothing that can stop you from doing something. When you have a burning desire to share the word of God, there is nothing that can stop you from doing it. Have you been baptized with the fire? She says, a burning desire to enlighten those who sit in darkness. Many, even among the uneducated, will proclaim the word of the Lord. Even the uneducated are going to do it. Children will be impelled by the Holy Spirit to go forth to declare the message of heaven. The Spirit will be poured out upon those who yield to his promptings, casting off man's binding rules and cautious movements. They will join the army of the Lord. <laughs> Do you want to be in the Lord's army? God says, in my army, my mission is to baptize you with fire. To equip you so that you no longer fear going forth, but instead you have a heart of fire. 
And that heart of fire will draw you, will drive you to share however you need to share. It will drive you to share because you know that a fire baptism is coming. And if the people are not ready, they will be destroyed. And you don't want to see that. You will be moved by the love of God. In fact, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, he says, I have come to send, who can finish that for me? Fire into the earth. What, why did Jesus come according to Luke 12, 49? To send what? Fire into the earth. And so if he has come to send fire into the earth, and what kind of fire do you think he's talking about? His Holy Spirit. If he's come to send fire into the earth, then what should be our mission as well? To send fire into the earth. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had the experience of setting somebody on fire? Come on. Uh, okay, maybe you misunderstood that. <laughs> Have you, let, me, let me do it this way. Have you ever had the experience of meeting someone who was not a Christian and sharing with them the powerful truths of God's word and then watch their souls catch on fire? Anybody ever had that experience? Guess what you are? You're a fire starter. <laughs> You're a fire starter. Who is God looking for in the last days? He's looking for people to start fires in the hearts of those who don't know God. He's looking for a people who will not allow anything to stop them from spreading the three angels' messages. And so we must experience this baptism. You do realize that even Jesus was baptized twice? Where was the first time? At the Jordan River. Was he baptized the second time? Do you remember when the disciples came to him and said, can we sit on your right hand and on your left? And he said to them, what? Do you realize the baptism that I must be what? Baptized with? You know what kind of a baptism that was? Ellen White called it a fiery baptism. <laughs> so think with me. Jesus was baptized once with water. And that second time from Gethsemane to the cross, he experienced a what kind of ordeal? A fiery ordeal. Beloved, God is in need of baptizing each and every one of us with his spirit. So that by that spirit, we would go out into the world and begin to set souls on fire. Think about it with me like this. If we are called to be firefighters, then guess who the devil, uh, the fire starters, then guess who the devil and his angels are? <laughs> yeah. Fire fighters. <laughs> Their job is to make you cold or lukewarm. God says, I want you to be hot. I want you to go out and, and not only be on fire, but I want you to go start a fire in somebody's heart. And the devil says, no, 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 no. Our job, angels, put out that fire. Anybody's in here struggling today? You don't have to raise your hand. But are you struggling today because the firefighter is putting out your fire? It's like the devil putting God's people to sleep. You know how the parable goes? It was while men, what? Slept that the devil was able to sow tares in the garden. I'm sorry, in, in the field. The devil's job, his mission, his goal is to put God's people to sleep. Have you ever heard of the term sleepers? 
Where do you hear that term from? Terrorism, right? They call them all sleeper cells. You know what a sleeper is? A sleeper is a person who is an enemy combatant that uh, blends in with the environment around him until he is awakened and springs into action. That's what a sleeper is. So people look around, you know, could that person be a sleeper? Could this person be a sleeper? They look like us. They talk. (sighs) Sleepers. Might I suggest to you that, that there are sleepers in God's church? People who, who God has called to, to go out and fight the good fight of faith, but the devil has succeeded in putting them to sleep. Putting out their fire. You say, you know, Pastor, I think I'm a sleeper. I don't have that fire. I don't have that zeal. I don't have that desire. Well, let me tell you something. There is hope even for you if you're a sleeper. There is hope for the sleeper. How do I know? Because the Bible speaks about a sleeper. Yes, the Bible tells about a story of a sleeper, one who may have been just like you, running away from the will of God. His name is Jonah. I want you to turn to his story with me, if you will, please. Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, and I want you to notice some things about Jonah here. Jonah chapter 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Just like many of you, God says, Arise, go preach the word. And what did Jonah do? Verse 3, but Jonah rose up to what? To flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Anybody ever been guilty of running away from what God has called you to do? (laughs) Go give a Bible study. Not me. Won't do it. <laughs> and, and, and notice what happens, verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was lightened to be broken. You know, I can just imagine Jonah. He knows who he is, but he's trying to kind of blend in with the people around him. Come on, Seventh-day Adventists. You know who you are. But, but, but the fear of, of actually standing out and probably, you know, seeming different is just so overwhelming that we often want to do what? Just kind of blend in with the people around us. And so uh, uh, something begins to happen. The Lord sent out a great wind in the, in, the, in, the, in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea and to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast. What was Jonah somebody? A sleeper. (laughs) Here he is asleep in the bottom of the ship while the people are perishing. Seventh-day Adventists. How many of us are asleep while the world around us is perishing? Verse 6, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O... Who? Sleeper. Arise! Call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Can you imagine the shame of that? To have worldlings telling you, why don't you really be a Christian? Come on, be a Christian! 
serve the God that you claim to serve. Non-believers are telling him, arise. Is God calling us to arise? Wake up. Is God calling us to wake up? It is interesting that the word Jonah, the name Jonah, it means dove. Come on, when you think of dove, what do you think of? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) Do you think the Holy Spirit was trying to lead Jonah in one direction? And what does Jonah do? He rises up like a dove and flies in the other direction. (laughs) How many of us do that when God calls us? When he says, I want you to go, and we go, and we go, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Jonah rises up, and he flees. Notice with me verse 7. It says, and this said, and they said everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah and they said unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What is thine occupation and whence comest thou? What is thy country and of what people art thou? Wouldn't it be nice if you had, you know, unbelievers just coming to you and asking you all kinds of questions like this? I mean, what an opportunity to witness, right? Look at what happens. Verse 9, and he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, What did he say unto them? Take me up. And cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. I want you to notice the self-sacrificing nature of Jonah. Wasn't that amazing what he did? Throw me over. Can I tell you something? Do you think that the response that Jonah gave them was a good response? What should Jonah have said? Turn the ship around and send me back to 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 Nineveh. (laughs) Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) Listen, Jonah was so terrified of going where God had told him to go. He would rather have been thrown overboard. How many of you would rather be thrown overboard than go give a Bible study? <laughs> Ooh. I mean, you would think Jonah was doing something self No, no, no. He said, look, you know what? Mm, throw me overboard. I'd rather be thrown overboard than have to go and share. Here's a man without fire. It's interesting, you know that Jonah was swallowed by a, by a fish. You ever wondered why he was swallowed by a fish besides for the fact that he was in water? <laughs> Let me read something to you. Nineveh is named after Nina or Ishtar. It is the goddess of prostitution or reproduction. The Babylonian Nina was a place where fish were very abundant. Ishtar, Nina, the goddess of the city, was associated with Nimha, or Merodach's spouse, as the goddess of reproduction. The character for Nina is written with the water enclosure or the fish inside, or or, or, uh, uh, signifying that Nineveh was the place of abundant fish. What does Jesus say to his disciples when he calls them? 
Come and follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Jonah, I'm sending you to catch some fish. I don't want to catch any fish, Lord. Okay. <laughs> okay. You see, beloved, God has a way of always reminding us, I don't care where you run or where you go. When you have the name Seventh-day Adventist, I've called you to be a fisher of men. Jonah is in the belly of the, way, the fish, and, and, and you can imagine it being a constant reminder to him, if you will, I'm, not, I'm supposed to be, <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing God's will. I'm supposed to be fishing. I'm supposed to be out there with a heart of fire trying to save the people of Nineveh. Well, we read on and we find in Jonah chapter 2, notice with me verse 1. Oh, by the way, Notice with me verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And now I want you to notice with me Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed. You didn't see that, did you? Do you, do you get what you just read? Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights and then. Now, just a little test here. If you happen to be thrown over in the oceans and you see a big fish coming at you, what are you most likely immediately going to do? You're going to pray. Jonah saw the fish coming and was like, mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> and it appears that he just hung out in the fish. Man, great. At least I don't have to go to Nineveh. <laughs> For three days. And then something happened to Jonah that made him come to his senses. He prayed. How long was he in the belly of the whale? The fish? Three days. He must have had an experience in that fish's belly. What do you think? Have you ever read Jonah's prayer? If you read Jonah's prayer, who does it sound like speaking? Let me rephrase that. When you read Jonah's prayer, does it sound like Jonah's prayer? Or does it sound like somebody else's prayer? It sounds like Jesus. In fact, you remember when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And you see certain places in the Psalms where he talks about the waters coming over, over my head and the, the, the floods of ungodly men have compassed me about. Do you remember that Jesus said uh, to, to the people in his time, he said that he would give them the sign of who? Jonah? Could it be possible that Jonah had an experience? Something similar to what Jesus may have experienced in his time upon the cross, in his baptism, that changed Jonah's heart. Notice with me Psalm 
or rather Jonah chapter 2. I want you to notice with me Jonah chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. Verse 2, the Bible says, And Jonah said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Where does the Bible say that Jesus, uh, you know, when Jesus died, it said that his soul would not be left where? In hell. We're talking about the grave. We're talking about death. It seems like Jonah is having an experience very similar to what Christ experienced. And I ask you, beloved, that what, you know, when Christ was on the cross, when he was going through that Gethsemane experience, why was he going through that experience? For whom was he going through that experience? For us. Do you realize that Jesus began to experience the sufferings that the wicked would have? As he went through, you know what Jonah is experiencing? In the belly of the whale? In the belly of the fish? He's experiencing, it's as though God is saying to him, listen, the things you're crying out, I cried out of the belly of hell, or thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves have passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The death closed, me, closed round about me. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the oceans, or to the bottoms of the mountains, and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Do you realize that Jonah is experiencing what the very Ninevites would have experienced had they been lost? God is saying, Jonah, don't think about yourself. Enter into the experience of the people I'm trying to get you to save. It's the same thing that Jesus went through. Jesus suffered the agonies of the wicked and he said, I will go through this for their sake. God is now, as it were, trying to show Jonah, Jonah, listen, this is what they will experience if you don't get up and do something. I want you to notice with me Psalm 69 Psalm 69, where Jonah is actually referring, John, um, I'm sorry, Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verse 1, save me, O God, from the waters that are coming to my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. That they would destroy me being mine enemies. Wrongfully are, are mighty. When, then, I was, then I restored that which I took not away. He's quoting it. And I want you to jump down with me to verse 9 where it says, For the zeal of thine house has eaten me up and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. Who quoted that verse right there? Jesus. What was Jesus' zeal for his father's house? You know the word zeal means jealousy? Anybody in here ever been jealous before? <laughs> when you're jealous, what does it feel like? Heartburn. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus' heart burned because he was jealous for his father's name. He was jealous for his father's glory, for his father's honor, and he said, I will do anything to glorify my father. How many of you believe tonight that you need some heartburn? <laughs> Jonah comes out of the, of the belly of the fish, and guess what he has all of a sudden? Heartburn. He's got zeal. Are you with me? He now is going to Nineveh. He, he is going with a mission. He is a changed person because he had an experience much like that of Jesus. He says, I'll pay my vows. I'm going to Nineveh. I am going to preach a message. Do you know that there were two times that Jesus fulfilled the sign of Jonah? 
The first time is when he was baptized in the Jordan. What does baptism symbolize? It symbolizes what? Death. So when Jesus was being baptized, even though he was only baptized for a moment, that baptism was symbolizing Jesus' what? Three days and three nights in the grave. Just as Jonah had spent three days in the belly of the whale. And, and remember what happened? The fish spits Jonah up, right? And, 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 and then he goes on his mission to preach to Nineveh. Guess what happens when Jesus comes up out of the water? What is seen descending upon him? A dove. The dove leads Jesus into the wilderness, and when he comes from the wilderness, he begins to preach a message saying what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Beloved, the Spirit of God wants to descend upon you and send you to a world that is in need of the gospel. The second time is when Jesus actually dies. Can you imagine what it must have been like for those people who saw Noah cast over into the ship? What did they think? Cast over the ship. What do they think? Noah is what? Dead. Is dead. Can you imagine? I don't know if anyone was around, but can you imagine someone standing up by the beach? <laughs> and they just see this fish just come up out of the water and <laughs> This man that was dead three days ago is now alive. No, 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 Jonah was not dead. But beloved, Jesus was swallowed up by this earth. And three days later, what happened? The earth let him out. <laughs> and what happens when he's let out? Jonah goes back to Nineveh and he preaches. Let me ask you something. Who is the one that turned Nineveh upside down? Who was it? Was it Jonah? No. Who was it? Who was it that was preaching the gospel in Nineveh? Let me show you. Jonah, chapter 3. This is going to get you. Jonah chapter 3, verse 6. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth, sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who is it that began preaching the message? The king and his nobleman. You know what happened? They got heartburned. They caught Jonah's zeal. Beloved, Jesus does not intend to go around and preach the gospel to everybody. He needs kings and noblemen. <laughs> Jesus comes and he says, I want to set you on fire so that you will go and set somebody else on fire. That's the whole purpose. He wants to make you a fire starter. He wants to set you on fire so that you can set others on fire. And the question now becomes, well, pastor, how do I get on fire? That's why you're here at Army. Our goal this weekend is to set you on fire. <laughs> I, I want to show you something. Go with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. How many of you know what happens in Luke 24? Luke 24 is uh, the story of, of two disciples 
who were walking on the road to Emmaus. Remember that story? And, um, and while they're walking, they encounter someone, and they don't know who it is, but it's who? It's Jesus. And, and, and notice with me, Luke 24, uh, we'll begin with verse 13. The Bible says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they walked talking together of the things that had happened. And it came to pass that while they, were, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one with another as you walk and are so sad? And, you know, they, they say, Have you not heard, you know, all the things that have gone on? And Jesus says, uh, in verse uh, 25, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then read with me verse 27, if you will. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus begins to break the word down to them. And the Bible tells us, uh, verse 28, they drew nigh to the village whither they went, and he made as though he would go further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. He went into Tyre with them, and it came to pass, as they sat at meat with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn? <laughs> Did not our heart burn? Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened up the scriptures to us? Do you want heartburn? The disciples got heartburn. <laughs> In fact, Ellen White says this. She says, if we keep the Lord ever before us, allowing our hearts to go out in thanksgiving and praise to him, we shall have a continual freshness in our religious life. Our prayers will take the form of a conversation with God as we would talk with a friend. He will speak his mysteries to us personally. Often there will come to us a sweet, joyful sense of the presence of Jesus. Often our hearts will burn within us as he draws nigh to, com to commune with us as he did with Enoch. Heartburn. <laughs> Beloved, it is when we begin to open the word of God and see the beautiful truths there laid out, when Jesus himself begins to draw near, close to us, and begins to reveal to us that, look, you don't need us to be a scholar to understand the word of God. You can understand the word of God for yourself. And when you find these truths, your heart begins to burn. Oh, my goodness, wait till I share this with my neighbor. Beloved, heartburn leads to fire in the bones. Jeremiah said his word was shut up in me. It was like a fire in my bones. You see, when the heartburn begins here, when the heart begins to burn, it doesn't stay there. It spreads through the body. It's like, oh, man, I can't keep quiet. I'm just like, oh, I just got to share this. <laughs> And Jeremiah said, I wasn't going to say anything, but I couldn't help it. I had to speak. So heartburn leads to, to, to fire in the bones. And beloved, listen to me. Fire in the bones leads to tongues of fire. <laughs> yeah, beloved, you know, the disciples on Acts, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, tongues of fire, cloven tongues of fire came down upon them, and they were able to speak in different languages. Beloved, listen to me. The, the, the miracle was not so much that they were able to speak in different languages. The miracle is that they were speaking. Mm -hmm. 
The miracle is that these men who had one time been hiding and in fear for their lives and we're cowering, we're like Jonah running, sleeping, I mean running, hiding, trying to stay away. These men were now like Jonah. Send me to Nineveh. I am willing to speak. The, beloved, listen to me. God is trying to wake up the sleepers. He's trying to set us on fire. He's trying to give us heartburn so that will spread to the bones so that we will not be able to be silent. And those bones, those, th that heartburn will turn to, into tongues of fire and our tongues will be wedded, will be empowered. Gospel Workers, page 92, the truth that saves the soul must not only come from God, but his spirit must attend its communication to others, else it falls powerless before opposing influences. Oh, that the truth might fall from the lips of God's servants with such power as to burn its way to the hearts of the people. Oh, that our words would be so dripping with the Spirit of God that when we spoke those words of fire, they would burn their way to the hearts of those who hear us. Oh, that they would catch heartburn. Beloved, listen to me. The more fire power that God's people have is the sooner we will hasten the great coming of the day of God. I will read one more quote to you and then I'll close. Servants of God, endowed with power from on high, with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration, went forth to proclaim the message from heaven. Souls that were scattered all through the religious bodies answered to the call and the precious were hurried out of the doomed churches as Lot was hurried out of Sodom before her destruction. Beloved, my appeal to you tonight is that it's time for the sleepers to awake. <laughs> it's time for us to arm ourselves with those WMDs, weapons of mass deliverance <laughs> it's time for God's people to spring into action and lay the fear aside but we can only do that we can only do that if we have heartburn <laughs> my appeal to you tonight Lord please Give me heartburn. <laughs> I want heartburn, Lord. Put your fire in my heart so that nothing will stop me from spreading the three angels' messages to a world that is dying. The baptism of fire is coming and we have a mission to warn this world and to prepare them for that great day. Is it your desire? To get heartburn, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we set the stage tonight. Lord, we, we need our hearts set on fire. Lord, grant us the experience that the disciples had on the road of Emmaus. May we too have heartburn as you draw near to us through this weekend, opening up the scriptures in ways we have never seen before. Set us on fire, Lord. Make us fire starters. Protect us against the fire fighters. Lord, grant us tongues filled with your fire that we may speak words of truth. 
We thank you, Lord, for hearing and for answering our prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com. Thank you and God bless. Thank you.